You're listening to Radio Free Fargo. Hey, this is Kate, and you're tuned into The Wow Factor. Join us as we talk with passionate guests who shed light on all things wellness. Join in on our conversations and find inspiration to live well, be well, and discover a wealth of wellness. Today, we're talking all about stress and what it does to your body. Holy smokes, it wreaks havoc, and we've got to figure out how to get a control on our stress. Join Dr. Miles, Jody, and I as we go in depth about what stress really is doing to our system and how we can remedy it. Welcome, guys. How's it going? It's going well, Kayla. How's it going? Hey, Kayla. Doing pretty well over here, enjoying the sunshine, and it's just been a beautiful week here. So, yeah, it's been a good week. No complaints. All right. Well, let's get rocking and rolling. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, we might have two parts to this. We don't know yet. But it, uh, we got a lot to do today. So stress, 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 stress. It, it was accidentally found, actually. Really? So in the, in the 1930s, a, a guy by the name of Hans Sell, so he was working with an ovarian extract. They just extracted this crazy little thing that they had no idea from ovaries. And they wanted to see what it did to the body. So they started with rats, as all studies. So what... What he was doing is he was injecting rats with this mysterious ovarian extract. It just so happened that this Hans guy was very poor with his hands. He was very sloppy. He would miss injections. He would drop the rats. He spent a lot of time chasing them around. And after a few months, after all the injections, they retested the rats. Lo and behold, the rats had more peptic ulcers, larger adrenal glands, and shrunken immune tissue. And mm. it was just like the light bulb went off. Brilliant. This ovarian extract, extract causes stress-induced peptic ulcers, larger adrenal glands, and drunken tissue. So like any good scientist, he ran a control group. So a group of rats got the extract, and a group of rats just got a fake extract. So nothing. That was a saline solution. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, both sets of rats got ulcers and large adrenals and immune tissue that shrunk. So what was going on? He, he wondered the same thing. So he further tested his theory by putting rats in hot temperatures and cold temperatures, strenuous exercise. What did he find? All of these rats got ulcers. All of these rats got enlarged adrenal glands and all had atrophy, shrunken immune tissue. Oh. And there came stress. The rats were having a physiological response to the unpleasantness of his procedure. It wasn't the ovarian extract. It was Hans was very sloppy in how he did it. He made the rats extremely stressed by missing injections, chasing them around, and always trying to get them with a broom, sweep them into the cage, try to corner them. That's what caused the issue. And lo and behold, that's how stress became into reality. Wow. wow, that is incredible. Like all because of <laughs> a clumsy doctor. <laughs> clumsy doctor. Yep. Bingo, wow. you nailed it, Kayla. Oh, I'd be stressed out too if that was my doctor. Wow. That stresses me out just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. You can feel your stress levels start to rise. Like my face is like, oh my goodness, how could the like, poor rats, you know? I feel for them. Imagine if we didn't discover it though. Right. Imagine that. Right. So now we fast forward to 
the ultimate scenario that I always laugh at. It, it's the best scenario. I call it, it's, it's the 2.30 in the morning and I'm dying scenario. So it's 2.30 in the morning. You have your most important day of your life tomorrow and you can't sleep. But then you think, wait, my brain tumor will probably get me first. But if you don't get to sleep soon, your career is finished. Now your heart rate goes up, your, your hands get clammy, and you have an entirely new set of thoughts racing through your mind. Your foot starts throbbing. Maybe your big toe. Why does that hurt? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm sicker. I'm really sick that I'm going to die. That's the scenario. But guess what? You aren't worried about le leprosy. You aren't worried about dysentery. You aren't worried about parasites eating you from the inside out and your guts and bowling through all your holes in your body. You're not worried about that. Because why? We're Americans. We live in a great society. We don't worry about scarlet fever, malaria, bubonic plague. We don't worry about that anymore. Okay? We think about different types of problems. As Americans, we have a whole different set of issues that we think about. You know, besides AIDS or tuberculosis, there's not a lot that can kill us. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot that can kill an American that, you know, we go outside and play in the grass that we have to worry about getting, or we go outside, or we drink water, or we eat food. We don't have to worry about that. Instead, it's 2.30 in the morning, and our mind has created this entire system where we have a tumor, my neck is tightening. I'm sicker than sick. I'm going to get a stroke. But if I can't sleep, my career is finished and I won't be able to live tomorrow. Mm -hmm. we, that's the disease of the American life. We don't, like I said, we don't worry about leprosy. We don't even worry about the diseases that our grandparents had. Pneumonia, TB, flu. Yeah, those are, those are diseases of older population. But even then, we don't worry about that. Because as Americans, we now live long enough to slowly fall apart. And that's what we worry about. Things that make us fall apart. As Americans, we die from disease of slow, slow accumulation. Heart disease, cancer, vascular disorders, these are just to name a few. And now we know more than ever that our biology and emotions are connected at a greater level and stress can make us sick. And that's the 2.30 in the morning scenario where you can't sleep, your heart's pounding through your chest, you're sweating, you're worried about the tumor getting you, you're worried about the stroke getting you, you got something crawling under your skin, your foot hurts, and you don't know why. The reason why is because you made it happen, all in your head. Yeah, that's the American disease right there in a nutshell. We'll get to it later on, but uh, anxiety and depression are gonna become much like the common cold. That's gonna be the new American sickness. It's, it's already here. And it's just becoming more and more recognized. Now, these diseases, now, granted, they're not like a malaria, something that can take you out or like something like standing water. You know, if we walk through a puddle, we're probably going to be okay. Um, parasites, you know, these are just freak things you, you, you see on TV, which actually I watched the shows like that. And then I freak <laughs> myself out and think I have a worm in my brain. And, <laughs> but now, okay, so we're stressed, we're depressed, we're anxious. Now, what are some of the repercussions, or am I maybe jumping the gun here, but what are some of the things that oh. this is going to cause? Because a lot of people say, oh, it's just stress, but no, it's 
causing some issues because you're getting too much hormone level in your blood. If certain things that are meant for if you need to run away from a bear attacking you, that you should have those feelings. But if you are over caffeinated and under rested, and if you are having trouble at work, say, you still have those drops like being just dropped into your system by your like your adrenaline just i feel like that adrenaline and then it just kicks me into overeating or or you know there's a lot of things that now kind of can we go into like what happens what are some of the things that we can't just focus on like oh it's just stress anymore what are some of those factors that make this something we really need to address to answer your question, we're going to get there. <laughs> um, <but laughs> Did I jump ahead? <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you slammed way ahead, but we'll get there, I promise. Um, we have to, we just to understand this thing, the whole point of this podcast is I wanted to make sure that we all understand what the stress response means mm-hmm. and everything. I want people to know because we go everywhere. And people say, well, you're stressed, go de-stress. Or you're depressed, go get happy. Or you're anxious, get less anxious. I'm so tired of hearing people tell me that doctors told them that. So we need to understand, I'm trying to simplify this to a way that everybody can understand it. But at the same time, you have to get out of your box to really understand it. So we have adapted as creatures to become very successful in acute stressful situations. Just like you said, running away from a bear. So a lion has just ripped open your stomach and you got 20 feet of intestines hanging out of you. But how do you manage to run away? How do you get away from the lion? The lion gets tired, but you're slowly dying. That was your stress response. And just like the half-starved lion, he had to muster the strength to sprint across the plains to try to get you for lunch. They're equally stressed and equally adapted to handle the stress. So our bodies are great in acute, stressful situations. And that's, and that's what we need to, to know is when acute, stressful situations become more chronic, that's when we get in trouble and that's when we start falling apart because we are meant to handle the acute stressors. It's these long-term stressors that really, really build up. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a great um, example of this is um, what, what am I looking for? Professional chess players. Professional chess players use just as much energy and have just as great of a stress response as high-end athletes. And that's all in your mind. And a lot of our conditions we're dealing with now are in our mind. And we're manifesting these conditions as heart disease, as high blood pressure, as various insulin resistances. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what we're dealing with now. And I see it all the time. You see somebody that comes in after they paid their last mortgage. They feel great. Mm-hmm. Or somebody just getting out of a divorce and they've been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. This happens all the time. And this is what chronic intermittent highs and lows of stress do to the body. Wow. And, you know, humans, we just, we just live long enough. And if we don't start figuring out ways to cope with this and get rid of it, or at least get it under control, we start to see the manifestations of these stress-induced diseases. This reminds me of a story of a teacher I had in, in college who had told me a story about she had been married and she had developed 
fibromyalgia. And when she got out of that marriage and got remarried to somebody different, and I'm not, I'm not promoting, you know, divorce or anything, but in this case, that was a toxic relationship she had been in and she was able to remove herself from that. And she found somebody who was a better fit and her pain went away. And that was like just an incredible story. Like she was this new person. I remember her shifting and like she'd been overseas. She was looking at, you know, she went and she studied rock formations and all sorts of great things, but she, and she was able to be free of those, those claws that though that stress and anxiety from that situation. And then she was free and her body resumed a more of a normal function. It was amazing. Bingo. And what you're talking about right there, Kayla, is what I just wanted to get into the word homeostasis and the word allostasis. We need to understand those words. Mm-hmm. And then the best way to do it is kind of by an example, in, in, my, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. homeostasis is kind of like tinkering with the valve, while allostasis is about the brain coordinating body-wide change, much, much like what you just said, getting out of a toxic situation and getting into something new. So the best example of this is if there's a water short, shortage, homeostasis refers to, let's just say, make smaller toilet tanks. That's how you conserve water. A lot of small toilet tanks, you use a lot less water. Allostasis is using smaller toilet tanks, convincing people to conserve water, and buying rice from from non-deserted areas like California. That's allostasis. So allostasis gets you out of the situation where homeostasis is just a quick tinker with the valve. Okay, those are two great scenarios in the body. The body is very homeostatic and the brain is very allostatic. So the short term is homeostatic change. The long term is allostatic change. That's how the brain works mm-hmm. and the body works. So two big, big, big um, words that we need to understand is homeostasis and allostasis. Okay. We all want homeostasis right away. But if we don't push towards allostasis and having a giant coordinated change we're going to go right back to where we were so that's that's kind of one thing that we just need to understand and with that there's you know getting into kind of the stress now there's three stages of stress alarm is the stressor adaptation is how you and i all three of us respond to that to that stressor and then exhaustion is prolonged stress which we are failing to respond to, disease emerges, hormones are depleted, the body spends too much energy on defense and not enough energy on education, healthcare, and social service. So that's kind of the three stages of the stress response. Wow, um, it's, it's so interesting when you break it down like that because it's, not, it's things our body naturally does, but we don't think about it. You know, we, we don't really think about internally, oh, okay, my body just dropped some some dopamine into my system. I'm feeling this like kind of, if you're aware, yes, but you know, it's just really nice to have those words. You know, I've heard of, I've heard of homeostasis before. I've heard that's like where your body is in a comfortable, like where it wants to be, whether it be just like your living situation, like noise. Here's the, here's one I learned about noise pollution. They've rerouted main Avenue to our street 
And just from that up, up level of noise pollution that has been on our street, my stress levels when those cars are going by, like if Pete and I are in the house, we are tense. It really affects us because it's loud. There's a lot of loud vehicles in the summer. And then we're out of that homeostasis. So then our natural instinct would be close our windows, turn our air conditioning on. And so that would be that like adaptation to, you know, the, the problem, but it's sometimes, you know, if we don't have those abilities to remedy, like that's an easy fix, you know, close the window, but there's a lot of things in life where we're kind of stuck and we don't feel like we can remedy. So is that something that we should be concerned about or how should we find ways to navigate that? Right. So I think what you're talking about is in the, and this was literally my next talking point that I wanted to get across in the presence of repeated stressors, we might keep allostasis. You know, you might keep your insanity, right? You, know, you might not just go buy 20 gallons of wine, hook it up to an IV and walk around the house all day, pacing, sweating, but still living. <laughs> Don't tempt right? me we, seriously. <laughs> yeah. We, we may keep our sanity, but it is not cheap. And again, I, I use this all the time with patients is imagine balancing a seesaw with elephants. Okay. Oh. First of all, it takes an enormous amount of energy to balance a seesaw with elephants. Just imagine getting an elephant on a seesaw. Secondly, that is a fun picture in the head. Yeah. That is something really <laughs> like picturing these elephants, like cartoon elephants, of course. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then the damage occurred by using elephants because of their enormity in nature. You know, elephants are clumsy. Elephants are crashing into things. Elephants cause destruction. And lastly, and what most importantly, what a lot of us feel when we go either, we either rebound, we go into a major depressive disorder, we get anxiety, is when one of the elephants has to get off, to the, off the seesaw, what happens to the other side? It comes crashing down. The world just came crashing down. And that is what I use all the time to explain the stress response in a chronic state, that your body will do whatever it takes. It'll pull away from reproduction. It'll pull away from all these things that we wanna do to keep you alive, but it's like two giant elephants. And when one finally comes off, the other side comes crashing down and there is just significant damage when you try to, when you are under repeated chronic stressors. It will wear you down. There is no person in the world that can just handle constant, constant stressors. Genetics make you able to handle them, you know, a little bit better than some, but at the end of the day, that loaded gun in, in a very toxic environment, the trigger is going to be pulled. It's just a matter of time, no matter how strong you are. Isn't that well, a thought? Right. That's, that's just kind of. You get chills yeah. thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling like it's my life. <laughs> no, I'm like sitting here like, hmm. And then again, now we're talking about the elephants. So yeah. in a stressful response, our body secretes glucocorticoids. This is cortisol. It happens from the brain, brain, and the body. And then we also secrete glucagon, which increases our blood sugar. We secrete prolactin, which, which suppresses reproduction. And then we secrete endorphins and enkephalins, which help blunt pain. That's the acute stress response. Whether it's painful, 
whether it's in a fight with a spouse or a friend, mm -hmm. that's what our body will do all the time, every time. That's just the way we're programmed. We're not programmed to handle non-running from lion situations yet. Mm -hmm. So that's how we respond as we're always running. So in these moments, our heart rate goes up. Then we release adrenaline. Our veins constrict. Our arteries dilate, making our heart work more forcefully. And we decrease blood flow to digestion, urine formation. We resorb water. Our blood pressure goes up. The blood pressure causes more inflammation in our walls. And lo and behold, we have heart disease. That's how that, that's how that system works. Wow. And then that, yeah, that like repeated over time stress factor can really do some detrimental things to a person when that the, the crazy part about it is it, it's all kind of avoidable. If we condition ourselves to respond differently to stressful situations, um, that's the hardest part. The hardest part. That's, I think, where everybody, like, I think kind of as a whole, like, you hear about stress, anxiety. I mean, I, I read, I think it was a cover of a health magazine when I was just in line at the grocery store that said, this is the generation of anxiety. Like, we recognize now that anxiety and what it is, and now we need to move into a resolution phase. And I think, you know, some people are further along than others. Some people are just miserable and just stuck in, and I kind of ebb and flow, you know. I may, you know, in the summers, I'm usually a lot better. In the winters, I struggle because we're in our houses. It's 20 feet of snow. It's negative 30 outside. Like, there's all the things that really add more to the table when it comes to dealing with, with life and stress and oh, being over-caffeinated or, or whatever it is. So I just wanted to comment, like, where you were talking about is how you react to the situation or the stressor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of society right now is everybody feels like they need to respond to what's going on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's less stressful to just not respond. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just kind of walk through your bubble and continue on because if, if you turn and respond, that elevates your stress level and then causes all of those things to happen. So I, I've seen that a lot with people where you know, and then it causes more stress and then somebody responds to their stress and then it just keeps elevating and elevating up. So perpetuates. Yes. That's exactly kind of where I was. And, you know, in regards to, you know, you get to a point where you like, I'm usually pretty resilient. I like to think I'm pretty level-headed. I can handle, I know I'm emotional at times, but I understand myself. And when, when I got, when, you know, a lot of people probably got really thrown off by the things that are going on. And then it does like, I do shut down and then I, I get penalized for that, you know, or somebody won't, won't understand where I'm coming from. And that's, I think there's a lot of, and I'm not just talking about me here. I'm talking about like just unrest in, you know, cause everybody's responding differently to stress and we're all in a go, go, go pace. It's, it's kind of like this, it's, it's snowballing. And I'm wondering like, we got to like melt the snowball before it gets out of control. That's going to be a, a talk that, you know, I, I want to do sometime is just, just how we, the filter, maybe we'll call it the filter talk and how, how and what and why different people filter different things and why certain things like sound or certain visual effects trigger such an emotional response. And just not exactly that we should combat it because a lot of things need to happen naturally. 
but it's when we go and make an action based upon the emotion, is it a good or bad thing? And can we control that? And there's a lot of research that says we can control that, but if you don't know what to look for and you don't know what to think about, you just do everything on reaction. So we're going to do that sometime. I think that's going to be really important. I guess just doesn't even matter what side of the aisle or what you believe or don't believe. We all need a little help with that. So getting back into the stress, the stress portion of it, I wanted to touch a little bit on um, the metabolism and what happens during stress. So insulin often gets a bad rap, but insulin is just trying to do its job. And it's definitely trying to do its job during stress. It's just stress makes it impossible for it to do its job. So I call insulin a very optimistic hormone. It always plans for the future. Insulin is constantly putting sugar back into the cells and putting it into storage and just getting it ready for something to be built in the future. But bam, you're stressed. Something gets dropped on you. You just got fired. Or a parent just got diagnosed with cancer. And bam, all of a sudden, it's done. You're mobilizing that energy. Insulin is toast. You're mobilizing all that energy that you just stored for something important down the road, like reproduction, yeah. like exercise to build muscle. That's gone. You are now going to mobilize all that fat. You're going to have a stress response. You're going to increase your glucose in your bloodstream. And another reason for cardiovascular disease was stress. And thirdly, and most importantly, is the stress response makes you less sensitive to insulin. So what that means is even if there is insulin in your blood that's trying to store and trying to plan for the future and store fat away so you have energy, it doesn't work. And that's how that works. And then you, all of a sudden, your stress comes down, but you're still numb to insulin. Now you have this free-floating fat and sugar in your blood circulating throughout your body and you were just under two months of high blood pressure where do you think all that cholesterol is going to go where do you think all that fat is going to go all those tears that you had happen in your arteries from that constant blood pressure ripping apart your walls it's going to pack in and it's going to get tight Mm -hmm. and you're going to be on your way to a cardiovascular incident and that's when you see people get heart attacks That's when you see things like this is that constant blood pressure and you finally come down, but you have all this circulating fat because your cells aren't sensitive to insulin and it just packs in your blood cells become sticky. All your repair mechanisms become placky Mm -hmm. before you know it, you get ischemia to your heart and you're, you're lying on the ground or you're clenching your fist or your arm just got tingly or your jaw just got a little bit weird feeling, all that. that That's the metabolism of stress. That's what it does to your body in a nutshell. It mobilizes fat, protein, and everything else to make sure you have everything you need to survive. And what it does is it puts all those long-term construction projects on hold. Reproduction, muscle building, all the past 20 years of wear and tear that you're finally trying to change your life. All those go on hold. Mm-hmm. All those go on hold and you're in a total fight or flight mode trying to deal with it. And that is what happens with that. So right. now we move into growth. And I think there's some interesting stuff here. I'm going to touch on it lightly. 
but there's prenatal and postnatal stress and there's a lot of studies on infants. And I think one of the most, I'll, I'll skip the prenatal one. We're going to save that for a female talk. Um, I'll talk about the postnatal stress is stress dwarfism is a very common thing that nobody really knows about stress dwarfism. So why do kids that have under, undergone traumatic events in childhood not grow? It's because of stress. If kids grow up in a pathological condition, they have slowed skeletal growth. Wow. And that's just the reality is that cortical, cortical steroids and all these glucocorticoids, they suppress our ability to grow. Growth hormone gets shut down and you see kids at a young age not growing. And there was a really famous study done and a really neat part about that was it was done with premature infants is 15 minutes of touch of a premature infant each day leads to 50% more growth. You don't touch these kids. You don't hold these kids. They suffer. So this is a great point of the lack of stress. The stress of physical touch and love leads to inhibition of growth. And that is a neat thing about growth and stress that I think all people should know is that kids coming up in stressful homes, kids coming up, whether they're adopted and they have, you know, man, we could go on forever. There's so many studies on this, but nonetheless, stressful environments, blunt growth. And that's what we all need to know. And physical touch for young kids, especially when they're born, um, to all the, the ladies out there that are having kids and even ladies and husbands, don't, if that baby's healthy when they're, when they're born, just ask the doctors and nurses for 30 minutes before they take them back and they examine them. Just get everybody out of the room. Mom and dad sit down, lay the baby on mom's chest and just sit there with 30 minutes of just holding the baby. It, it's one of the most amazing things you can do for a newborn. Wow. It's just holding. Isn't that incredible? It's like, it kind of just brings me back kind of taking this you know, to a realistic kind of like life situation. It just kind of, it reminds you to keep like the simple things are usually the best answers. Like, you know, sometimes when I'm so stressed, I just have Pete, like he just tickles my neck. He'll just kind of rub on it lightly. And it, the immediately I do feel a sense of a release of that anxiety. And I mean, it just is getting back to simple. I think we're so bombarded with we have to do all the things, read all the books, eat all the right things, um, do all the workouts, whatever it is in life or, or do all the studying. And we just forget to like, just simply breathe or simply take time to de-stress or even be mindful about and just checking in with yourself and saying, Hey, how you doing? Kayla, how are you today? Like how often do we always say, Oh, that's weird if we ask ourselves that, but then we are so negative to ourselves. We're very negative. So then that causes more stress. But I know, you know, it's just made me think today. I actually listened to another podcast that talked about this very thing about just taking a moment and just like you said, with that, the parents with their child, even us with ourselves or a spouse or a partner, just taking a moment and just simplifying and just forgetting about all the things going around and just taking that moment. Like it doesn't have to be forever, it can be 10 minutes. It can be five minutes. It can be 60 seconds waiting at a red light to turn green instead of getting angry at the light like I do. 
take the time to just breathe or close your eyes for a moment. And it kind of just brings it back to that reality check of this cycle is going to only get worse if we don't think, start thinking about making it better and thinking about how can we improve on it. And we, we are very adaptable. And that's the beauty about being human is that prefrontal cortex to be able to work through these things. But it's like, there's triggers and there's things that catch us off guard, you know, when a calm state right now, I can say these things, but half an hour from now, when I'm running late to my next meeting or whatever's going on, I'll be a different person and the drops of adrenaline will be hitting my system. So yeah. yeah. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. That's how it works. That is, that is totally how it works. And um, um, we're just keep rocking through here. Again, all touching on little topics of stress. I want to touch on male and reproduction, male and female reproductive systems. Real quick, we'll go through them. Um, we're going to save those again for bigger, bigger talks. But for males, stress de decreases circulating testosterone. More importantly, stress ruins the balance between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So I always say to males in my office that, you know, they have it, they come in for back pain and their 10th symptom down the chart is erectile dysfunction, right? Mm -hmm. So I always tell them point and shoot. Parasympathetic is point. That's your big, that's your erection. And sympathetic system is your shoot. That's ejaculation. I, I, I explain these things to them. Okay. So point and shoot is parasympathetic sympathetic. That's how it works. What stress does is it destroys the balance. So you see males with, with fertility issues or infertility issues, but what I see mostly with males is erect erection deficiency or premature ejaculation or just sexual dysfunction. They just, they can't get full erections. And a lot of times with males, it's after a big stressor, it's in their head, serotonin levels go wonky. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, you know, they become, they become in, infertile, right? But really it's just because they can't stimulate themselves or their partner can mm -hmm. stimulate themselves enough to be reproductive or to have that sexual experience. I thought this was kind of neat. Um, there's a one rare case where it's the exact opposite in the animals and it's actually in hyenas really? and yep. So in this rare case, female dominated animals, such as hyenas, a male erection is a natural response to stress, which does not happen in any other creature. So males get erect, male hyenas get erections when there's a response to a very intimidating dominant female. So it's almost like they're saying, look at me, I'm a non-threatening male. You're a dominate, you're a dominant female. Don't hit me. I got an erection. That's one of the cases in animals that it's the exact opposite. Where stress actually helps an erection. And there's something with, and there's another one with chimpanzees. Chimpanzees, they fight. Um, very male driven thing. Um, when they fight, that's very sympathetic. And when they fight, they walk around with erections. It, it's, it's a neat scenario, but that can happen in males. The animal kingdom is a crazy place. <laughs> so my thoughts on this are, okay, what about how we're seeing such a shift in our like social norms as we knew them 
differences in terms of um, dominance levels between men and women. Is this going to affect sexual dysfunction or sexuality, like, or nature, I guess, driven thing is affecting or this political driven thing or whatever it is, or this just a shift in the reality is going to be affecting performance in men and women. Do you feel that? I'm going to tell you something. I'm not afraid to be blunt and I'm not afraid to like, first I'm going to state the, the science. We know that stress and we know that thought will change our physiology. So if you think as a male, you're lesser, or you think as a female, you're greater because those were the old norms, right? We're assuming old norms. Can we all agree on that? Mm -hmm. That males were the head of the household, females mm -hmm. weren't. That's the mm -hmm. old way of thinking. That was definitely old and I'm not saying that's wrong and I'm not saying that's right either. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always a balance. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, we know that our, our thought changes the way we express and our hormones express. And I think what we'll see, and this might just be a side effect of what Kayla just said, we're gonna see smaller families, we're gonna see zero kids in a lot of families. And I think that's gonna be something in the rear, like the real near future. I think family sizes shrink. I think that has a lot to do with work-related stress, the cost of living and yeah. whatnot. And yeah, you're right we had to change as a society about how we viewed women. What is the role, right? There is no role. The woman gets to choose her role. If it want to be a stay at home mom, choose it. If you want to be the CEO of a company and have zero kids and do whatever, fine. That needs to be okay. Like who gives a, a flying F what you do, but nonetheless, you have to own what you do. We just have to remember, our mind change doesn't mean genetic change and genetic change takes us to have offspring to raise those offspring to have offspring to keep changing offspring and that's how we change genetically so our mind is one thing our genetics are another it's just going to take time i think for um real change to happen mm -hmm. but i'm all, i'm all for it and, and i just to to answer that it is gosh, it's really hard, but I think, I think there will be change and I think there will be less kids. I think for fertility issues will become a problem and it might be psychosocial because our bodies haven't adapted mm -hmm. to this newer, this newer thinking, which isn't bad. The new thinking is a good way of thinking. Mm -hmm. It really is, mm -hmm. but we have to wait to adapt. We, and it's okay to acknowledge both because both are happening before our eyes. That's true. And it's, it's kind of like that whole like evolution of just the, the human self and the ability that we do evolve over, over the years. And like when we developed, you know, better eyesight or color eyesight, or whenever we had something that we came into a, um, a roadblock, we were able to over, you know, thousands of years adapt to, a, you know, to be smarter, faster, stronger, better and adaptable which is another great thing of like being like the human race is we are we do have this adaptability so that kind of brings me back to the the hope at the end of all of this too is the fact that we have this ability to adapt and this ability to change and to uh, now we recognize what stress is 
how can we grow and how can we learn to process through that in a more efficient way? Right. So the and world's I, not going to get less busy. So. <laughs> hey, and, 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 yeah, there we go. And I think I just kind of thought more of an answer to, to kind of what you said. I think what'll change as we change is our receptors in our body will become more sensitive to stress, meaning having a baby will be harder if we're stressed and thus having more offspring and infertility will go up. Infertility will go up because Mm -hmm. our body will be more sensitive to stress instead of waiting for two months of stress to make us infertile. It'll be a week. So I think those are the, the physiological changes we get. And, you know, testosterone is a very dominant hormone and estrogen is a very protective, almost like a uh, immortal hormone. And if females have more testosterone, they tend to be more dominant. And I think that's where we'll see the physiological change. Because mm-hmm. you put a, more females getting into these CEO positions and just being able to think that they can get into CEO positions, we're just going to open up our physiology to have different hormone responses. And yeah, I think we'll change. I, I really do. And I think that's the way it'll, it'll happen. It's just, it'll be generational. As more female CEOs, or let's just say business owners, you don't have to be a CEO to be a baller. As more CEOs and business owners have one or two kids and they pass that on and they teach them, I think things will change. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I really do. I really do so, too. I feel I have hope for humanity to oh, oh yeah. conquer yeah. this. <laughs> have something, right? Yeah. <laughs> Make a difference. So, but going back to our talk now, funny, I love it. That was a good tangent. I like it. <laughs> anyway, so female reproduction, under stress, estrogen goes down. Our fat storage drops. Because again, remember what I told you, we pull out energy so we can survive. And those fat cells actually convert testosterone into estrogen. So with less fat, we become more testosterone based. So that's what happens in females. And with females, when that happens, we become less reproductive. Females Mm -hmm. lose a little bit of that sexual desire. They don't have sexual dysfunction, but the ovulation and all the progesterone estrogen balance becomes a little less stable mm-hmm. and then less makes it harder to reproduce. So that, that's kind of how the female in a nutshell gets effect. And again, just like the hyenas, there's one exception to this and there's probably more, but the one that I could think of is in animals, it's called stress induced miscarriage. So in a lot of animals, there's usually an alpha male. And when females sense pregnant females, get a new alpha male into the group, they will stress induce a miscarriage because they know that if they give birth to this offspring, that new alpha male is going to kill it. So the female will stress induce a miscarriage, wow. become fertile, get pregnant and be, have offspring with the new alpha. So that's, that's a good example in the animal kingdom of the exact opposite of what I just described. Mm-hmm. So besides that stressful situation, most stressful situations with female reproduction result in less estrogen, decreased fat, and increased androgens. 
which lead to suppression of sex hormones, of sexual desire, and thus more infertility. That's, that's kind of the nutshell on females. That's really interesting because it's like, there's a lot of uh, TV series too that kind of play off of this whole concept of the reproductive issues. Like, you know, there's, you just see them on TV and you just, they're like, why did all the women become infertile or, you know, what's going on? Because it does feel like it's more so now than before. And I don't know statistics about this, but it does feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, I even know in my own body, I have thrown my own ovulation off due to stress. I, I've done it. I, and it shows up with it, you know, manifests as like a late, you know, menstruation or whatever. And I feel like a lot of women struggle in that department. And that's probably why a lot of people, women trying or couples trying to have a child struggle because they're trying to pinpoint down that ovulation window, which is very small. It's like 48 hours. And when they can't even like, if that thing's like swimming around, like think about like, in, it's like swimming like a fish. You just can't even like each month to month to month, you have like 48 hours where you can actually conceive. And now you don't even know what those days are because you're so stressed out that you're throwing off your ovulation. So it's kind of a, it's an unfortunate circumstance of evolution, but in a thousand years, all this, what we do now is hopefully going to make a better human man. So They'll have to take on the on. next crazy stuff that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I'd want to be there for that. I don't know. Right. Um, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this has been really enlightening, you know, talking about like touching on like stress and how this is going to affect our health and what we can do about that. Also understanding why our bodies are doing what they're doing, understanding why our what's kind of going on and giving people like a real life scenario of, you know, what's actually happening. Because I think the more we understand, the more we have ability to make change and we know which directions to like shift in, which is amazing. Again, that human condition can be so incredible when, when we, when we're able to process through things like this and grow. And I think these conversations just keep happening for people and, and to talk with people like you at the office and like, you know, the recommendations that even you've given to Jody and myself have really helped us, um, you know, find balance and find like a sense of at least awareness and peace and, and, and sort of, and also having grace with ourselves. That's huge. And others meet meet people where they're at because we're all on kind of on a different level right now so this is a really nice way to just kind of get everybody on the same page about stress what it does and yeah this is definitely not not the last conversation we're going to have about this for sure um this whole month is actually going to be all about stress and all about finding inner peace and you know i've different people have different techniques and it's kind of find what works for you too you know some people do yoga I, I do a, you know, a good conversation for me is a great way to de-stress. Hence why I have a podcast. <laughs> Keep good at it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's not just me. I have great, awesome people like you guys. I need, you know, conversation. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that we can continue to improve and continue to kind of melt the snowball that's building in a way and, and find ways to navigate what's going on. So do you have any final thoughts for us? This was a big episode. Um, 
super excited about that. But do you have any final thoughts on on would, the topic? Yeah, I would just tell people to listen to this twice. Yeah. And when we get the when we get part two out, really pay attention to that. I have it's all research. It's all the the studies that are done and it's just kind of like the aha moment mm-hmm. and the coping and how, how you get through it. Like just, just how you get through these things. It's okay to know that you're under stress. What's not okay is not dealing with it. You have to deal with stress. If you don't, you will internalize it and it will come back. Mm-hmm. It will come back through an emotion, through some type of re- a sound, a smell, mm-hmm. a situation, a lack of something, it will come back. It doesn't go away. So you have to find an out for your stress. And I would really just, again, tell people next time, uh, next time we pick up, we'll go into immune, we'll go into memory, and then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes. But you have to understand what we talked about today to know why you feel why you feel. Because if you don't, you're just going to have anxiety about things you can't control. Mm-hmm. So you got to understand the response is out of our control, but how we deal after the response is in our control. Mm-hmm. Okay. The genetics are going to always respond, but how we respond to them is what's going to make you I hate to say it. It's going to make you a, a great person, or it's going to put you in a major depressive disorder, or it's going to give you some type of manic disorder. That's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. How you respond. You only can ricochet bullets for so long. You have to take that bullet in the chest and you have to learn how to deal with it and you will become great at it. And that's what's going to happen next time they see. Awesome. That is, at least there's the good news. You know, it's like we, we do have the ability to conquer this. We do have the ability to find peace and find adaptability. So that is the amazing thing. So I, I thank you guys so much for being on the show. This has been one heck of a topic and it's something that I think diving in a bit deeper, like we did shedding light, you know, is we're kind of going beyond that surface level stuff. And I think it's, you know, it's a good, if you're ready for this, if you're geared up and you want to improve your life, you got to go to the depths, you got to take, and you got to go to that 110%. And this is one way to do it is like, start these conversations, go beyond the surface and, and just keep trying to just become better and, and, and give yourself that grace too. So I thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thank you guys for joining me today for this episode of the wow factor, where we are giving you real life, real conversations on how to be well and live well. Thank you guys and have a great day.